this is Rob Pau and today in Turbo Talks we're talking to Eike Visbeek of SEG Racing Academy. Alright everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the Turbo Talks. Thanks for tuning in again and as in every show we've got a guest with some great insights from within the professional world of cycling. And today's guest has had a lot of success in the recent years as a sports director. With uh, He even has a Grand Tour victory on his resume. And since early 2020, he holds the role of Academy Director at SEG Racing Academy. So I'm very curious uh, to hear from him about the Academy, his work there, and the special challenge that is currently running in a joint effort with, uh, with Tex. And that might even lead to a new discovery of new talent. So I think it's time to switch over to our guest from today. It's Eike Visbeek. Welcome, Eike. Thanks for joining us. How are you going? Thank you. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm doing well. The, it's good weather and uh, we're uh, yeah, hopefully ramping up to a uh, racing uh, season in August. It, it's slowly getting closer. With, uh, we're recording this on the 24th of June. Um, you've been... I would almost say like hiding in Sweden during this lockdown period. How has that been for you? And uh, how have you you've been able to work as your role as Academy Director from there? Um, now, t- to be honest, we have been busy. Uh, also the recent months. Uh, I've been directly already at the end of March. We switched uh, to e-racing uh, and combine that with every week a webinar where we uh, talk about uh, specific subjects within cycling, whether it's time trialing or bunch printing. And we even had some of the, the previous riders from the academy that turned pro, like Fabio Jacobs and Rory Sutherland that joined us on webinars. So actually, as the academy, we have been trying to keep on educating our riders. And um, yeah, we, we have used our time uh, in, in, a, in a very efficient, effective way, I think. Yeah, because I've mentioned the SEG uh, Racing Academy, the Sports Entertainment Group Racing Academy. Can you explain to us a little bit like what the academy does? Yeah, uh, SEG Racing Academy has um, yeah is, is is one of the leading uh, development teams and leading in developing future uh, pro riders. And uh, some of the riders that come from the academy are Case Ball, uh, Fabio Jacobsen, um, Eduardo Affini. Uh, Alberto Dainese and um, yeah there is really a an, an, an goal to develop in a perfect surrounding uh, talent cyclist and it's an international team so we have riders from, from all over the world and uh, yeah uh, because SAG uh, also has an agency background uh, which is separate from the team but uh, with this background we uh, yeah we, we are able to provide uh, talented riders and, 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 and a future within pro cycling and you joined the team, uh, previously you were a sports director at, at, at Team Sunweb and now you're the role as academy director. Um, what do you bring to the table for, for SEG? Well, I think first of all that uh, seven years in the World Tour has, has, has made me experienced and also see the, the, the important uh, things to succeed for uh, young pro riders, but also, of course, the, you know, the traps, the, the, you know, the, the, the things that stop uh, the riders from developing uh, once they turn pro. So um, I think what I bring is experience and uh, in that sense also be able to, to really give a, a good coaching and also a good uh, development part in turning pro. And um, yeah, that is, uh, that is what I'm focused on with the, with the riders. 
So, so how did you turn into coaching yourself? Because uh, you used to write, I think you had a few years as a pro, uh, then sort of like quickly became a coach and sports director. Uh, what, what made you uh, make that transition? Um, now, it was a bit forced because I was um, 21 when I got a, a knee injury. And I, I, I got back on the level, but it always hold me back a little bit, my knees. And uh, I was still studying general management at, at that time. So I actually, on a young age, I already quit at uh, 24 uh, and directly turned team manager for a local uh, cycling club, which is happened to be also the club of uh, Nicky Terpstra, Ramon Sinkeldam, um, Case Ball. So uh, I started coaching riders there. And uh, yeah, ever since that was 2001, I've been, uh, been, been a sports director and coach. And uh, yeah, I've now yeah, almost 20 years experience. So when you say you had to cut your own career short, um, is that then something that immediately makes you able to like translate to the current situation and working with those current young riders and give them some perspective on what their career could be and how quickly it could end? Or Yeah, well, I mean, I think first of all, it, it, it was definitely an advantage that I was a young coach. So the, the, the generation gap was not that big for, uh, for a while. Uh, and... Um, yeah, I mean, that is definitely something you can bring uh, to the table because, it, you know, when you're a young rider, you think everything is about the results and the races. Uh, but you also need to have a little bit of a helicopter view to really see what you're doing. Are you really focusing on the things as a rider, uh, on, the, on the right things to improve? And, uh, you know, and, that, and, and I think that experience and that, you know, helping the guys with uh, stepping out a little bit out of the tunnel and see what they're focusing on. And uh, yeah, work work with them on that. I think that this really um, has been helpful and effective. And is it for you that you? How do you compare the energy that you get out of coaching compared to the energy that you get out of riding yourself? Cool. Um, I would say almost that you're equally tired at the end of the day. But um, <laughs> I, I think it's more diverse uh, when you coach. First of all, you coach different riders, different personalities. Uh, and you were also responsible for the organizational part around it, which is also quite, can give quite some satisfaction when you see that the team, your plans, uh, the logistics, everything works in a, in, in, in a good way because it definitely helps, you know, if you make sure that the recovery meals are there in time, if you have a smart travel plan, you know, you also create advantages for your riders uh, in, within races. So it's, it's more diverse. As a, as a cyclist, you're really focused on your own performance and your own well-being and, and and as a sports director you you take care of uh, the well-being of seven eight riders plus the staff plus the team going from one place to another and you already mentioned like the satisfaction that you could get out of the job is there a particular moment in your career besides maybe the obvious one that you gained like most satisfaction out of uh, and with the most obvious one i mean the the zero victory with tom yeah now i think I think the Giro victory was most of all the the, the really hard work and, and 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 really good cooperation with uh, with Tom and with the team where we actually were an outsider and, and and really make the most of the situation. So that was really and also for me a step up to the big podium. Uh, but I also have to say, and I mentioned that before. Um, you know, I coached uh, a lot with uh, Ilko Kelderman and, and, and getting him back after a really uh, horrific crash and injury and and get him to do a top 10 in the Fuelta was, you know, was maybe even a bigger challenge to achieve. 
So I also get uh, get get a lot of uh, satisfaction out of out of you know helping riders going from a bad situation to a good situation, or really developing into uh, into a yeah, a better athlete or um, as a person as well. I mean, it's you not only talk about with riders about their um, the performance. You know, you they also have to deal with you know um, the social life, uh, study, career, uh, family issues. So. Um, and have there been people now already at SEG or maybe a young rider that came up to you and asked you what it was like in, in the pro tour already at that level or in the grand tour, et cetera, just to like be, sort of like being a sponge and gain that information from you? Or is that something that just comes over time for them? Yeah, no, no, they have. And it's actually, uh, I mean, we do the webinars and of course I... Always, uh, always a lot flick in with experience that I have from uh, from my teams. Uh, but with the webinars, it's really fascinating to see because I, I remember from my Sunweb time when we were so, sometimes at the training camps doing presentations that you know you had a hard time getting all the riders down to the to, to the room because they were not not always super motivated to do it. But with the webinars at SAG, there is not a single rider that wants to miss it. You know, they're really sitting there with their pens and papers. They make notes. Which is, and, and that's also the academy, and that's also uh, why we at SAG, I think the last year have been very successful. We want riders that really want to develop. We not only want riders that, that want to race the nice races, we want riders that really make the choice to become a better rider and, 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 and see it also as an academy. And that, um, that that's really cool to see. And, and uh, I, I have to say the high-level questions, I mean, they really think uh, things through, and that's that's really cool to see. So how do you scout the riders for that? Because it goes way further than just looking at their wattage or their yeah, yeah or their, their potential t- physical talent. Yeah, for sure. Because it, it's really a combination. And that is, uh, and especially now there's a lot of focus on, on test results. And of course, we also look at that. But those those test results, those, those uh, watts per kilo, uh, need to, you need to be able to translate that into racing. So it's one indicator what a rider does at the, at the races. It's another indicator what a rider can uh, push for watts. Uh, and then you have to, and, and I think that's a very big factor. And I think that was also one of the, how do you say that, one of the things we were focused on with Sunweb for a while, that was the cooperation between an athlete or a rider and the team and coaches. What we want to see from young talent is that they also are willing to try new things, that they're not sitting in their own tunnel, what works for them, and, and not are able to, to you know, uh, want to make use of the experience that we have. And uh, because in the end, that is what's going to make the difference. Because if you're in the under 23 category and you're winning races, you know, you start all over again the moment that you move to the pros. I mean, of course, there are the Remco Evenepoels, but they, those are, you can count them on one hand. All the other guys that turn pro, you know, they start from scratch again. So it is really important that you are, as a talent, are um, yeah, focused on, on getting better, on your development. And, uh, and that is really what we also talk with the riders about uh, and, and see how, how high their cooperation level is. And that might be the key ingredient for why you already mentioned some names. You had some really successful alumni over the past couple of years, like Denise Groves, uh, I think this year even Schelling. Uh, and all those guys. Yeah. I mean... And I think there's all, there's even one rider who's in his last couple of days now with the team, right? Before he makes the jump. Yeah. Time yeah, and Yeah. Also, uh, and that's also an, 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 a very interesting rider. Also, 
very high talent, um, almost on, on, on the same level as uh, Wilco Kelderman, uh, Tom Dumoulin. Uh, but also a rider that in his first year already made a really big result with a second place in the Tour de l'Avenir. But could turn pro in, I think, 12 teams, but decided to stay long with the academy to develop as a rider because he still, he could ride up a mountain really fast, but there were a lot of other things that he still, yeah, thought he had to develop. And, uh, and, and that, I think it's a good example of taking your time to get really ready to turn pro. And that is, uh, that, that is what we have been focused on with, uh, with SAG. We, we obviously could have had maybe five, five riders turn pro more. Uh, but we really take our time to to make it uh, make the step right. Yeah, uh, it's it's there's no science about it, but uh, you you need to be ready because it's at the moment a really high level at the World Tour. It's not easy to uh, to make the step. Yeah, and what are the other things that you guys have been focused on? Like you mentioned already, you were one of the first who said, "Okay, we're going to focus on e-racing." Since I think it was March. Um, what was the, the thought process behind it and how did that pan out for you guys? Yeah. First of all, I think we were already very much aware directly uh, at the end of February, March, that you know this could take a long time, that it was not a short stop that we were going to have. So we wanted the, the racing intensity for the riders. We also wanted to keep the, the, the style of racing, the, the, the preparing yourself for a race, uh, to keep that a couple of months within the team. And so to also keep the dynamics of a racing season. And um, and that was actually, um, and that is also with the thought in mind that we saw already the last winters that um, e-racing is taking big steps. And we already have from a couple of sponsors and partners the question, you know, we want to do a ride, a digital ride with some of the people at work and some of our uh, clients. Uh, can you guys join? with a couple of guys uh, on, 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 on several platforms. And yeah, that was, we already understood that those possibilities were there. And yeah, it, of course, it was a, a big boom this uh, spring because everybody was in lockdown. But it is a part that belongs to, uh, to, to if you become a pro rider, it belongs to your uh, job. You need to be able to, to, to do uh, digital racing and understand it. And uh, it's like, yeah a good opportunity so that's why we also uh, pushed for it and um, I think also it made for the riders that uh, the months were not that long they had uh, every week a race uh, they did the trainings and I think that also made it uh, yeah that they stayed motivated and is it easier maybe for because they're a younger generation is it for them then maybe easier to still, uh, switch to something like more with the gamification element in it yeah. on a computer than maybe for older riders who've already been around for like ages in the, t in the, in the peloton? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, the first guy that made me aware of this was Laurens ten Dam. <laughs> he qualifies <laughs> as an older rider. So um, I, th I think, yes, I think the, the younger generation has a, a little bit easier with the digital world and, 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 and doing these things than uh, the, the, the older riders, with all respect. But I, I, I still think that it's, um, it's, it's gaining a lot of momentum at the moment. And it, it is really something that belongs to your pro cycling career at the moment when you're in the World Tour. I think it, it will be hard to say as a pro cyclist to your team, you know, for those, those events that are organized in the winter or, or during the season. They, they, you, cannot, you cannot say anymore to your team, I don't do them. 
I mean, uh, I don't like it. I mean, it's something that belongs like an activation or a sponsor event, a clinic or a meet and greet. This also is part of your uh, pro cycling career. So how do you reckon it's going to develop over when the racing resumes on the road again? How, how is this, is e-racing still going to be incorporated in their programs or? Yes. <clears throat> now, I mean, I think because it's a very special season, so I think for the month of August and September, if the races happen, because that we still don't know if if it's a if it's an, a full racing calendar, uh, we obviously take a break one or two months from from the e racing, uh, because we already have been doing it intensively now. I think the last three four months, but. I think the main takeaway point, and that is what you really see now, is that uh, a lot of the riders understand that uh, hey, doing your uh, your efforts, do your in intensity training, you can do that really efficient and really accurate on the on the on the trainers at home, and uh, that's already what I've been seeing with some of the the pros. I know a guy like Will Kelderman, he does also some of the efforts uh, at home at his, uh, on his home trainer because he wants to. He can do the efforts as planned uh, and very accurately, and that, that you know you don't always get that on the road. So I, I think in that sense, um, the generation riders at the moment they understand that the, you know they they're going to use it in a smart way. I see that already. Yeah, it's definitely bang for your buck. It's like quality and time efficient in terms of like doing doing their workouts. So is it with you guys, do you especially like put it on the programs? Okay, do these efforts on your indoor trainer? Uh, both yes and no. Or is it more of a recommendation? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely it's it's a recommendation. Uh, but there the, the can also be like, especially um, with some of the GC riders and the time trial riders, we could be really saying uh, do this uh, on the indoor trainer. So we know you get it 100% right. Uh, but definitely uh, sing signal to the riders that uh, certain trainings are uh, better done on the indoor trainer. And then it's also, uh, you know, you also have to look at the, the circumstances for a certain rider. Uh, but yeah, and I see now, for example, with some other riders, uh, I have Stan van Tricht, who is studying, he's in the middle of his exams. Yeah, he's still, although he's training a lot of hours, he's making a really efficient use of his trainer. He trains, he can still learn. Uh, but he does intensity-wise exactly what he needs to do. So he's almost losing nothing and still does the full program at school. So it's, yeah, if you use it in an efficient way, it's, you can gain a lot. And what will be then like the, the benefits? How do we see the benefits at the end on the road? Because like I've, we've had Ashley Moment-Pesio on the, on the podcast uh, two episodes before you, and she already mentioned she's been training a lot of indoors during the lockdown in Girona. She went outside setting a new uh, Queen of the Mountain record at her, at her favorite travel segment. Is is that something that we can expect? Or is that maybe a bit over the top that we can suddenly expect people to go faster after, been after they've been training indoors? Or, or how do you see that? I, I, it's not a surprise to me. And we have it also black and white that it has been, uh, if, if, if you look at specifically the efforts, I, I, I can't say directly racing because we haven't been racing, but it's the same uh, trend that we see in our team not a single rider. We had a test week beginning of uh, June. So we had riders uh, like Marco Frigo, for example, he was maybe on the road for only two weeks uh, training before that only indoor. They all smashed their uh, power records. So they're, they're like the, the 30 seconds, the one minute, the five minute, three minute, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, they smashed their records, really. So yeah, 
uh, it has a, definitely an, uh, an, a good effect. And like I said, then you also still need to make the second step and turn it into uh, good road racing. But yeah, first of all, you need to be able to push the watts. And uh, if you then make a smart plan to translate that into racing, yeah, then uh, you, you, you're going to see the effects. But uh, the, the personal records are all significantly higher. Um, and, and also the improvement is also significantly uh, bigger than we normally see in the last couple of years. So yeah, if you use it in a smart way, it's, uh, it pays off. So expecting to see a trend, less riders on the road, more riders on their indoor training. Yeah, no, I think F, yeah, yeah. I think uh, in, in, in general, we will see that uh, definitely more riders will use those uh, uh, indoor trainers to, uh, to do some, some training parts uh, indoors. And um, yeah, I think that is uh, a good trend to, to see. Okay, uh, talking about uh, training indoors and uh, throwing a, a bit of a challenge in. At the moment, I uh, already mentioned in the in intro, there's a uh, joint challenge with Tex, uh, the SEG Performance Challenge. Three iconic climbs where, where riders can test themselves on uh, through the Tex software to become a better climber. And maybe uh, it's a six weeks program. And at the end of that program, maybe there's a spot at a training camp or SEG. Can you tell us a bit about the challenge? Yeah. I mean, one of the most frustrating parts for cyclists at the moment is that they can't show themselves. And uh, that is for ambitious, talented riders is, 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 is a problem. And um, we said we want to give uh, riders the opportunity to show themselves their climbing abilities and do that in a period where they can also improve themselves. We have been putting out also training advices uh, on the Tux uh, training app where they also can do some of the trainings that we do with our riders, uh, where we can improve their climbing. And we really want to give them the opportunity to uh, yeah, to show themselves. And uh, of course, we are not racing. And uh, especially the, the North European riders, they, they won't be racing much this year in the mountains. But here they have three perfect opportunities to ride fast up the mountain. They have it in a six-week period. They can plan their day and they can get really good prepared. They has, have an in-few insight in how we train. And uh, yeah, this is definitely a, a good opportunity to uh, get our attention and open the door. And uh, if, if, what we, if, if we see a rider with good values uh, doing it and also with a good improvement in the, in the six weeks, then uh, we're going to invite that rider. Okay, so the three climbs, uh, and now my pronunciation is going to be tested, the Pre-Majeure, famous climb on Mallorca, the Galibier and Alpe d'Huez are the climbs that are featuring in, the, in this challenge. Uh, and every two weeks uh, they can climb like one of those. Uh, and like you already said, there are also some tips and tricks, and I think there's even like a dedicated training schedule for them available, right? Yes, exactly. Because we, we've opened up the challenge. So, I mean, yes, we had, there is definitely an, an opportunity for talented riders to show themselves. But it's also a very good way to prepare yourself. If you know that you now go on holiday in August or September and you're going to do some of these climbs, then this is a really good and effective way to, to, to test it and to get better for your holiday or for your... Uh, for your uh, now when you ride yourself so we also wanted to open it up uh, with training schedules and, and and give everybody a chance to improve and uh, yeah, we see a lot of good response in that and uh, I think it's a very um, 
easy way to quickly uh, get on a good level. And if, if you're listening now, and you're thinking, okay, what are they talking about? That SEG Performance Challenge, how can I find out more? Uh, go to text.com slash SEG Challenge. Definitely enter the, enter the challenge and take to the test those climbs and see how far you get. And uh, But how are you guys measuring the progress throughout those six weeks for the riders? And how do you scout the talents that, that might come out of that? Where do you pay attention to? Um <clears throat> Now, I mean, we, we also have our SAG riders doing the, the challenges. So we have also with that a good benchmark. Uh, then again, we also look at their uh, progress uh, within the three challenges. Um, yeah, and if then, uh, if, if, if all those uh, indicators are positive, then we also uh, invite those talents and uh, then we can yeah, do the next step in, in, in discovering these uh, riders by seeing them live in action on the road bike and also see how they think and uh, and, 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 and um, yeah, what we already touched earlier, uh, how the cooperation level is and, and yeah, if, how they're, um, if, if they are a promising athlete in the, in the, in, in the whole perspective. And I can imagine if, you, if you're then looking at the scout, you want sort of like trustworthy numbers coming out of those challenges. How, how do you guys like sort of make sure that those will come out of it and you can judge it? Yeah, I mean, there, there isn't much hiding at the moment. I mean, uh, if, 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 I mean, of course, you can uh, try to uh, get around the system, but, you know, we have a performance team with uh, four uh, coaches. They are very good in making calculations. So, uh, yeah. You know, it's, it, the smartest way is to just, you know, put put the information in as as, as it is, and uh, yeah, it, it's it diff- it's difficult to beat the system in that perspective. So uh, yeah, at the moment, we what we see and what we calculate, we see that uh, that everybody is uh, doing it in a fair way. But uh, yeah, we we make the calculations, so we we also check the information. Was there a certain reason to select these three climbs? Yes. Are they di- like different in length, gradient, etc.? Or yeah, <clears throat> um, I mean, first of all, we also wanted iconic climbs. I mean, uh, I think there's thousands of uh, people going to Alpe d'Huez every uh, every year because it's an iconic climb. It's a challenging climb, so that was obviously the final that we wanted. It's also a bit of the benchmark uh, that you hear about from a lot of people. Uh, and then we also wanted to start with a climb that is uh, more graduate, more uh, not too steep. But a good climb to start. I mean, uh, Prix Mayor is a, is a climb that, although you're maybe not trained that good, uh, you can find a good rhythm and you, you will get a real good sense of uh, the climbing, uh, how it is. And the Galibier is also an iconic climb. Uh, is a little bit less, um, how do you say that? It has some steep points, but it's not as... Uh, challenging as the Alpe d'Huez. Alpe d'Huez is really has some really steep parts, especially the first three kilometer are gruesome. Uh, but, but the Galibier is still is, is, is a good mix of the Puig Mayor and Alpe d'Huez. So I think it's in terms of climbing and, 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 and learning and understanding climbing, it's a nice, um, how do you say that, step up. Puig Mayor is, is, is easy to climb, uh, easy to find a good rhythm. The Galibier, it already starts a bit more difficult. You really face the the gradients, steep gradients, but still doable. But and Alp d'Huez is really going from really steep beginning to to flattening out in the in the middle part, and then ramping up towards the top again. So uh, yeah, it has a bit of everything with three climbs. 
so people still have a bit of time before they have to conquer Alpe d'Huez. The Prima Jor is open to climb in the challenge till July 1st. And then the Galibier is from July 2nd till July 11th. And then we head to Alpe d'Huez from July 12th till July 29th. So if you look at like the outcome, how many potential riders would you be able to invite to a training camp? Oh, <clears throat> I would say um, everything between 1 and 10. I mean, uh, like I said, SAD, uh, we, we really want to uh, to get to know the talents. And uh, yeah, we, we will uh, definitely, uh, when we see an interesting rider, we will uh, not hesitate to invite them. And uh, yeah, but it's difficult to say now. I mean, there's a lot of talents coming in and uh, it's, yeah, we, we have to see what, uh, what, how they, uh, how they perform and how they develop. Is there a part in the process after finishing this challenge and before the training camp starts that they need to prove themselves in some sort of way? Or is it just straight from this challenge determines whether there is an invite or not? Yeah, no, we contact the the, 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 the riders. So it could also already be after the first or the second challenge that we see uh, something we like and that we uh, contact. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, we are, we are live. We are following the challenges and every day we look we calculate and uh, and we see. So, yeah, it could be after one, two, or maybe after three challenges that we uh, that we contact uh, a rider. So, are you getting like a, a daily report now? Yeah, yeah. No, we're following it every day. And actually, it's uh, not only uh, us that's following it. The Dutch uh, Cycling Federation is following uh, following it, and yeah. we also get requests from other teams. Uh, it, I mean, the the we are with SAG Academy. We have a, a squad with uh, a men's squad. But uh, also uh, the women teams know that uh, this challenge is on. There was already some uh, some girls and uh, that have been doing it, and uh, yeah, they also want to know the numbers. So uh, I mean, it's not only for us; it's it's open, and uh, every team can see the results and, um, and and do their calculations. So it's yeah, it's it's almost like an open uh, how do you say that uh, application for yourself if you do this challenge. So um, yeah, it can really open a door not only to us but to other teams as well. All right, awesome. Um, maybe to wrap it up, a quick look ahead to uh, to the season that still lies ahead of us, because you guys started 2020 actually really well with the, with the team, with quite a couple of victories already. What do you expect or what do you hope for? Well, I mean, we have uh, with David Decker, obviously we had already a great season start and uh, also with Corbin Strong uh, becoming world champion points race on the track. Uh, but we have uh, a couple of riders that I think uh, are, are really going to impress in August and September. Dan Hole, uh, who is the Dutch uh, champion uh, time trial, but also Jordi Meer was already putting in some good results and won a Belgian pro race in the spring. Uh, these are riders that I think uh, will will yeah will will definitely uh, do some good results, possibly win some races, and uh, and and also with Dan Hole, we are aiming for a medal on the time trial championships, both European and worlds. Um, so uh, yeah, that are the big goals. And what's the? Do you know anything about like the program uh, for the guys already? Which races are they going to be invited to? Or on the schedule with everything that's been changed? Yeah, uh, well, it's there's still also a lot of um, how do you say that question marks around it. But uh, we will start in uh, Heisepeil in Belgium, and uh, at the first of August, then we will go to the Czech Tour, uh, six to nine of August. 
and uh, from there, a couple of our guys will do the Tour de l'Avenir with their uh, national teams. Yeah. And, and uh, if everything uh, allows us, we will be uh, doing the Baby Giro and uh, you know X races in Norway. Um, and yeah, from there on, there's still some uh, some question marks around the program. We could be doing Tour de Lisar, uh, but we have to see. There's still uh, th- those races still have to be confirmed if they will uh, will happen. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. I want to uh, thank you, Eike, for, uh, for your time and to explain for us uh, how everything's working at uh, the SEG Racing Academy. I think some really interesting stuff going on there. And uh, yeah, it's taking more and more prominent and more important place in the, in the cycling world these days. So uh, yeah, good work. Keep it up over there. Thank you. All right, everyone. Uh, that's a wrap for today's episode. Uh, make sure you go out there SEG performance challenge as discussed uh, go to text.com slash SEG challenge and definitely take on the challenge and yeah as Ike already said if you're under 23 if you leave it all out there and who knows maybe they're going to contact you and, uh, and you'll be invited for a training camp with SEG so thanks for listening again and guys you know the drill tell a friend about the Turbo Talks podcast and make sure you never stop cycling this was Rob Bau with Ike Visbeek of SEG Racing Academy stay tuned for the next Turbo Talks